Well, good morning, uh, Brother Groover. This is Shannon Davis. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Shannon. How are you doing? I'm doing good. You ready for your show? I'd be ready anytime you are. Okay, I'll crank up the intro. Here we go. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the end times. Are you ready? Are you ready to endure till the end? Calling all who name Jesus Christ Lord. It's time to man up and report to the battle lines. Grab your coffee and sword and strap on your Ephesians 6 armor. Because the show is about to begin. From the front lines of America Babylon and transmitting worldwide on the internet and satellite, you're listening to Omega Man Radio with Shannon Davis. I want to welcome everybody to our live edition of Omega Man Radio here on Thursday, July 24th, 2014. Friends, I have a special treat for you today. We're welcoming back Brother Henry Groover, and he's going to be with us the next two hours. Brother Groover, it's an honor to have you back. How you been doing? Hey, I've been doing fine, Shannon. It's, uh, it's been a busy schedule, but uh, you know what? The strength of the Lord is all-sufficient and always keeps me going. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> We're excited to have you on today. I know you've got some testimony to share, some word from the Lord, anywhere you want to go today. But before we get started, would you like to open up in prayer? Amen. Hallelujah. Precious Father in heaven, we just commit this time to you. And every listener, Lord, and wherever this goes, any recording, Lord, we ask that you protect the recording equipment. And where it goes, that it will get into the hands of hearts that are hungry and are thirsty. And Lord Jesus, that it will speak into lives and it will bring understanding and it will bring comfort to hearts. We know we live in in perilous times. We know that things are not going the way people would like to see them go. But we know that they are going the way you said they would be, and we know you're in control. And so we commit this time to you, Father, in Jesus' precious name, that in everything that we say and do today, that it will bring honor and praise to your holy name, that in all things you will be exalted And the beauty of your love will shine forth across this nation and into the world. We thank you for it. Now, we just claim your protection over this broadcast. We claim the power of the shed blood, the body, the mind, and the spirit of our Lord over this communication. And that we accomplish the purpose for which you have assigned us to accomplish. In Jesus' holy name, thank you, Father. Amen. 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 Brother Henry, the microphone is yours. Well, thank you, brother. Uh, Obviously, you out there that uh, have been following me through the years, you know my heart and you know my feelings concerning the United States of America and where we stand. And I don't know if you have noticed yesterday in the Jerusalem Post, if you could look that up, you can get a confirmation of what I'm going to say. But uh, yesterday there was called an emergency meeting of the UN Human Rights Council. uh, And they brought about a vote discussing the situation with Israel. 
and the way Israel is handling the Palestinian situation in Gaza. And they voted against. Now, I was very thankful to hear that our President Obama voted against this condemning of Israel. So please understand that. You have been praying for our leadership of our nation. You have a victory here. That's a very important victory. I, I cannot emphasize that enough. The importance of our nation standing with Israel. And I, I, I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful we have been praying and praying for our president and our administration in this. And they have voted against the UN Security Council on human rights condemning Israel, stating that Israel has a right to defend itself. And, oh, am I ever thanking God for that. So rejoice in that, but remember, remember the book that I wrote years ago. And I, I worked on this book, and it worked on me, in and through me, for about 17 years before I ever put my pen to the paper called The Rebirth of Judah versus The Church Glorious, and relating the natural of Israel. Corinthians chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 46, where Paul says, However, that which was first is not spiritual, but that which is natural. And uh, then afterwards, he says, Then that which is natural. And that's important to remember. Something else in the scriptures here in the Old Testament in Zechariah chapter 2. It says here, beginning with verse 10, Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for lo, I come and I will dwell in the midst of thee, saith the Lord. And many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day and shall be my people. And I will dwell in the midst of thee, and thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto thee. And the Lord shall inherit Judah, his portion. Now notice, this is not a new paragraph. I always, in reading the word, really like to stay within the context of a paragraph uh, for the subject matter. So 10 through 13 is all one part of the paragraph. And the Lord shall inherit Judah, his portion, in the Holy Land, and shall choose Jerusalem again. So if his inheritance is Judah, is his portion in the Holy Land, and he chooses Jerusalem again, then he says, Be silent, O all flesh, before the Lord, for he is raised up out of his holy habitation. And so I just feel that it's important that we, we begin with this to to show you today uh, where we are in the prophetic timetable of people are, uh, so many have, have called and got, when they could get through to me, uh, the most common question is, Henry, is this it? Well, I know exactly what they're talking about when they say, is this it? Because in Zechariah chapter 12, he says here, Verse, verse 2, Zechariah 12, verse 2, Behold, or look, means you can see it, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling to all people around about. Uh, 
when they shall be in the siege, both against Judah and against Jerusalem. So they're in a siege right now against Judah and Jerusalem. If you look geographically, you're almost looking identically at the area geographically, a little piece of Benjamin, of Judah and against Jerusalem. Isn't it interesting how it words here? It doesn't word the entire territory that Abraham claimed, but it's specifically Judah and against Jerusalem. And look at verse 3 now. This begins a new paragraph. And in that day, in that day, you read in this chapter and in chapter 13 repeatedly, 10 times, 17 times in the two chapters, he's saying, in that day, do you think God is emphasizing something? Not, nowhere else in the Bible do I find in that day written so much as it is here. And it says, in that day I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. That's what the UN Human Rights Security Council has gathered around about right now condemning Israel and Jerusalem. It's become a burdensome stone to many of the nations of the earth, is what they think. To all people, it says, all that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces. And that, that expression is a very serious expression. It doesn't mean that you're praying and you're burdening yourself in prayer. It means they're taking on their own counsel against Almighty God. So he says, all that burden themselves or take counsel against Almighty God and his chosen, his inheritance, shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. And so there's going to be a serious time raising up here, and I've been watching this event very carefully and very closely because if this thing happens, you know, and if you've read my book, how the Lord had me go over to the United Nations and stand right where Arafat stood 10 days before condemning Israel. He was the champion of the Hamas. And he condemned Israel right there, and I stood in the same place in the United Nations, right at the same podium that he stood at. And the Lord spoke through me a prophetic utterance, warning the nations, every nation that is gathered this day, that votes and comes against Israel, will be cut to pieces. And so, therefore, you will not be able to say you have not been warned. And when I stood there and did that, there was, there was no General Assembly in session. And uh, I stayed in with the tour. When the tour went out, I stayed in and went up behind that podium. The Lord told me to where the tour guide had said the last person to speak from that podium right there was Arafat, speaking to the nations. And the Lord said to me, go up there and stand. Well, then the tour guide's phone rang, and he said, I, I've never had this happen, but we've got a problem two buildings over. I've got to get over and uh, take care of it. I'll be back, so go out in the lobby here, and we'll continue the tour. Well, I opened the double doors, and out they went. I closed the double doors, went back in, stood at the white rope, the barricade, 
and said, Lord, here I am, because you promised me I would address the general assembly. And the Lord said, go over that rope and stand there where Arafat stood. And when I poured that out, warning every nation that votes against Israel and Jerusalem, Judah and Jerusalem will be cut to pieces, according to what I just read to you out of Zechariah 12. I finished that, and I stood there, and the Lord said, you're finished, now go out. And I went out in the lobby waiting. And I said, Father in heaven, was that a test run? Did it really happen? What? There's no general assembly there. And the Lord spoke to me the words, and he said, In the day that they gather to condemn Judah and Jerusalem, your voice, the words of your voice, will cry out of the stone of the wall, and the beam of the timber will answer it back. Now, people, honestly, I was not aware of where that is in the Bible. And so I wasn't sure. And I, I always ask when I feel God speaks to me, where is that in the Word? And people, if you will begin to do that more and more, it will astound you and it will bless you how well the Lord knows His Word. If <laughs> You will begin to learn His voice. And He just simply spoke to me, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 11. I pulled my little pocket Bible out, opened it up to Habakkuk chapter 2, and as I looked down at verse 11, I thought, whoa, there it is, as accurate as you could ask. King James translation, I don't know what other translations may say, but this one is the one that I had in my pocket. For the stone shall cry out of the wall, and the beam out of the timber shall answer it. And there it was. Whoa. I tell you, it just put a trembling in me, and it, it caused me to really begin to search. And chapter 2 of Habakkuk begins in verse 1, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower, and I will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables, and that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. You see what he's saying here? And that's why I wrote that book, and I, I believe that it... It is a very timely book. It has a lot in it, biblically, archaeologically, and, uh, of course, historically. Verse 4, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. There's a, there's a, a, a solemn seal right there on these first four verses. But the just shall live by his faith. This is a day and an hour to build and establish your faith like you never have before. Begin exercising your faith. It's like a muscle. Exercise it. You must exercise faith for it to get stronger. Just like the reason if you have surgery, a doctor makes you get up right away and get out of that bed and start walking as much as you do not want to. They insist you do it. And you see people walking with their IVs. 
up and down the hall after they've just had an open heart surgery, and you wonder why. Well, get that body moving again. Get those muscles working. This is a time, even no matter how weak you feel, no matter how insecure you feel or or like you've just had uh, so many trials and tests, you've been through the equivalency uh, of an open-heart surgery, so to speak, the trauma. It's time to get up and move and live by faith. And verse 5 here, new paragraph, Yea, also because he transgresseth by wine, he is a proud man, neither keepeth at home, who enlargeth his desire as hell, and is as death, and cannot be satisfied, but gathereth unto him all nations, and heapeth unto him all people. That verse 5 describes perfectly Arafat's speech before the United Nations that was given that day. I saw it. I was over in, uh, in England at that time walking and praying. I saw his speech on the news those ten days before. And then the Lord said, Now go to Geneva. And I want you to address the UN. And that's why I went. And uh, in this, that's exactly what he was doing. And then I saw him uh, a couple days later in Paris making a speech over BBC. And uh, I started praying because it was live. And I started praying, Lord, pull the man's mask off. Pull off his mask. Make him tell the truth up there in front of this great assembly there in Paris. And all of a sudden, this, this man, Arafat, began to kind of stutter and anger. You could see it come over his face. And everybody heard this, and I don't know why the media won't take this and repeat this, this expression of Arafat that he spoke as he was kind of muttering away, as he, his custom was, oh, you know, no, no, baby, we're, we're, so, we're so beaten down and all. And then all of a sudden, he just, it's like he just had such power and strength to speak. But what he said told me that the Lord ripped his mask off. And this, this anger and fury come upon his face in front of all of his guests. And he said, and we will not stop, we will not cease until we have driven every last Israeli into the Mediterranean Sea. And all of a sudden, it's like he stopped looking around like, why did I say that here? But that's right, right in a public speech on BBC. It showed the Lord ripped his mask off. And so it's all... These words here, after the stone of the wall shall cry out, look at verse 12, again, new paragraph, many new paragraphs in this second chapter, but it's still keeping the context of this. Woe to him that buildeth a town with blood and establisheth a city by iniquity. That's exactly what they've done. Behold, is it not of the Lord of hosts or the God of army that the people shall labor in the very fire? What's going on over there? And the people shall weary themselves for very vanity, for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So you see, we have here the natural and we have the spiritual. Again and again, God is talking about the very setting in which is going to introduce there in that verse 14, for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I love this verse 14. I love the number 14. If, if you look at it, Romans chapter 8, verse 14, 
another 14, just simply says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, that is not something for us to run around saying, I am a son of God and get all spiritually puffed up and proud about. It's simply something for us to understand and to realize, to realize that we are the chosen of God. We are the children of Almighty God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe, and that we are not to back off at this time. Here we are living in 2014, the year 14. People, keep this in mind. Keep this in mind. It's a very important thing with that 1 Corinthians 15, 46. Keep in mind, in animal husbandry, it takes 14 generations to bring forth a pure bloodline. Okay? Now, Go, you say, well, give me scripture for that. Well, how about Matthew chapter 1? Matthew chapter 1 very clearly states three sets of 14s. Three sets of 14s are there. What is that all about? So bringing forth Jesus Christ. You see that? Bringing forth Christ in that verse 17. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David unto the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. Hallelujah. So folks, 14 is a very, very significant number. And here you have three sets of 14s, which brings forth 42. 42. And 42 is a very significant number. So we look at this, just look at this right here, just a simple application of the scriptures, all right? And verse 14 there of Zechariah 2, For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. What did Jesus pray? What was his final prayer? before he was crucified. Have you thought about that? Think about it. Chapter 17 of St. John. Here's what Jesus is praying. Verse 19. Verse 18. As you have sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. So you see the power of the word of truth. Keep that in mind as you go into Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10. Why were they deceived? Why were people deceived? Have you thought about that? In this time of great falling away, this time of great deception, why are people deceived? Simply because of, look at chapter 2 of Second Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, verse 10, or verse 9, Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan 
with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all, look at the all words here, all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Think about that. Daniel loved the truth, didn't he? He loved the truth. It was so evident, so beautiful. And he embraced the truth, even to go into the lion's den, and God preserved him. Hallelujah. That's the beauty of my Lord. In Revelation, just another scripture real quick to help you here with this. Revelation 13 verse 13, chapter 13, verse 13. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six. You know, it is something, uh, brother, it is something that has amazed me in my walking in the world, across the earth, into areas of heavy occult activity. When I walk into those areas, it has always amazed me, like under bridges and places down in the dark areas and caves and tunnels, they always seem to be spray painting 666. They love the 666, and I've seen it so many places. It has become a common place to see it, and uh, it means their spirit is of the Antichrist. And they love that number of the beast. Back here again in John chapter 17. We, we concluded there, finished there in verse 19. For their sakes I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. That's chapter 17 verse 19. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them which also shall believe on me through their word. Here we are. There we are in verse 20 that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. There's the key. Oneness. You know, in the 60s, we had a, we had a song come out in the Jesus People movement that used to be sung a lot, and they will know we are Christians by our love. By our love, they will know we are Christians by our love. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. 
You know, that oneness came out in the Jesus People Revolution when God began to redeem the youth that fled out of the universities when all of this thing happened that they began to corrupt our educational system to its highest level there began to be a meeting of the power of God's Spirit to to rescue these young people it was such a beautiful thing and I personally was working and involved in that we had hundreds of young people come into our Christian coffee houses and get gloriously saved. And that was the theme song of that day. So verse 22 here of John 17, And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. Think about that. The glory of the Father, which the Father gave Jesus. He says, I have given them. That's past tense. It means... That glory is already there to dwell upon you, that they may be one even as we are one. Remember, you that have heard me before, how over in Tsu, Japan, TSU, Tsu, Japan, in, in a big dual coliseum, I was speaking in the one on the left if you, as you went up these big staircase that's, that, that splayed out into the two coliseums, one to the right, one to the left. I was speaking in the one on the left, if you're looking up the stairs, when the, the glory of God began to shine, just as I was giving the altar call, the invitation before hundreds of people, the glory of God began to shine and come down through that, that ceiling. And uh, I thought it was a cloud at first of smoke, and I thought, Lord, don't let there be a fire now. And I, the Lord said, look up again. And I looked up just in time to see that cloud of smoke coming through the ceiling above the giant mercury vapor lights. They're a big, very bright blue light, like you see lighting up baseball fields and all, and, and sports arenas. And they were in that big coliseum. And when I looked up the second time, that, that cloud had turned to gold, and it covered those big mercury vapor lights, and those, those lights literally turned black for the glow of, of the cloud that came down through that ceiling. And the Lord said, call the keyboardist up and start playing holy, holy, holy. And the keyboard started playing that. I loosed the shoes off my feet, and I went down on my face, and people began falling out on their face, crying out to God. It was almost deafening. The cries that took place were so loud there in that big auditorium. And it was so beautiful. As I was on my face, my interpreter was on the other side, Dr. Tadashi Nakagawa. He has two doctorates, Doctor of, of uh, Anthropology and Geography. He was on the other side of the podium, down on his face, weeping, just sobbing before the Lord. And uh, the power of God fell on all those thousands of people. And they fell out on their faces crying. And I don't know how long it was that I was on my face worshiping the Lord. I was singing holy. I have never sang holy from so deep in all my life as I was singing that night. It was like I was trying to draw from my end of my big toe all the way forward the words to 
I couldn't sing holy enough, deep enough. And I'd sung that for a long time. I don't know. I didn't look at my watch. But then the Lord said, now get up and go pray for the people in the far right section. And so I did, and it was the smallest section since the big arena was circular-like and then the half-moon stage, a big half-moon stage that I was on ministering. And I jumped down off the stage, and I left my shoes off and went over to these people all down on their faces. And uh, I touched the first lady, and she came up with her hands and was singing the most beautiful song in the most beautiful language. I don't know what it was, but her face just lit up. And every person I touched, I estimate a good 75 people were in that smallest section of the pie of that auditorium as it got smaller toward the stage. Every person I touched either came up singing or speaking in a different language than Japanese or English. And I stood up above all these people way up in the balcony, like they're above the, the, the edge of this upper section, with my hands raised when a little Japanese man tapped me on the shoulder. And I asked him what he wanted. And he said, I want what you have. And I said, well, lift your hands. And I touched his head and said, Lord, just give him what I have. And the Lord just poured through me, and I thought for sure he would just break loose into singing or, or praising, and he didn't do it. And three different times he said to me, no, you don't understand. You don't understand. Finally he said, you understand my English. And I said, yes, you want what I have. And the fourth time... I go to answer him. I said, it's free. It's free. These people get filled with the Spirit and filled with song by just touching them. Receive it. He says, no, no, no. Wait. You don't understand. I am pastor of many of these people. This whole section here is deaf and dumb. I never hear them speak. You touch them, they come up singing or speaking in prayer language. And I about went into shock. Wow. Well, I thought that was the most glorious thing that happened that night. But instead, at the end of that, they came up to me and said, we must get everybody out. It was 1.30, and they said at 2 o'clock in the morning, they closed the gates, and they won't be able to get their cars out until after 2 o'clock tomorrow. They close up the gates for 12 hours. So we must get the people out, and they won't leave unless you leave. And so they led me out, and we're heading down these beautiful big stairs that just splayed out into the two directions, and, and they brought a car up to pick me up at the bottom of the stairs, and uh, I turned around to look at the people and wave. And as I looked at, up into the people, there were young people pouring out of the other auditorium on the right. They had a me heavy metal rock and roll American rock and roll team singing over there. So we had two Americans in both American in each Coliseum. And when I looked, they were pouring out of that heavy metal rock and roll Coliseum. And the people were pouring out of the one on the left that I had ministered in. And the people coming out of the left, out of our meetings, faces were literally glowing like light bulbs. And I said to my interpreter, run up among them and tell them to start witnessing to these young people because these young people out of the heavy metal rock and roll concert 
can see the faces of these people lit up. Look at them. They're just standing in awe, pointing at them. Tell them to start witnessing, and they begin mixing among the people and witnessing to them. It was the most beautiful sight. I'd love to have had a video of it. It would have been such an awesome thing for people to see of the fulfillment of what he's saying here and the glory which you gave me. I have given them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world, see, the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Oh, Father, also them, them that you have given me, be with, be with them, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Oh, righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that you have sent me, and I have declared your name unto them, and will declare it, that the love wherewith you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. The Spirit of the Lord is speaking so much these days about the love of God, the love of God, and the grace of God, and the goodness of God. And so I, I just want to take that portion, you know, and uh, this portion, pretty much of the, the first portion of this uh, presentation to remind you again stay in prayer stay in prayer this is not a light thing that the UN Human Rights Council has gathered in an emergency meeting and has brought about a vote voting against Israel uh, condemning them and accusing them of committing all manner of atrocities against the Palestinians so be thankful and keep praying for our president and his administration. Please keep praying for him. Don't give up. Don't, don't, don't be discouraged. God put him in there for a reason. Believe me, he put him in there. I know, I know as well as you do, a lot of things are being established right now under his administration that we don't agree with. I know that beyond the shadow of a doubt. But please understand, understand, there are areas of the face of the earth right now that Psalms chapter 2 is literally being fulfilled right before our eyes. Just take these simple scriptures that I'm giving you, and I pray that you will take comfort from them, that you will not be so alarmed that you get depressed, but that you will take comfort in these scriptures. Because in Psalms 2, it says, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Can you agree with that? Is there an awfully lot of vanity, vanity going on right now? People imagining a vain thing? You don't need to describe it. I don't have to get out there and, and start describing all the vanity that's taking place. Solomon cried out, Vanity, vanity, all is vanity and vexation of spirit, didn't he? So please, accept that, that simple explanation. But look at that, verse 2. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. 
So you see, Christian, even as was under Chairman Mao, the Christian were bands and they were cords against Chairman Mao and the Red Guard of China. And look how Chairman Mao lashed out and began slaughtering many Christians. There was a great slaughter took place in China that many said, you said it would never be this way. Jesus would come first. But look what's happened. How do you explain this? But you see, we need to be ready. We need our faith in order. They're saying this now. Let us break their bands and cast away their cords from us. Verse 4, no new paragraph, but he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. That's what I believe gave me the authority, gave me the assurance to pray that God would rip the mask off of Arafat so that he would speak his true heart. And his true heart was the same vision and the same message of the Hamas to this day. That message is wanting to destroy every last Israeli and drive them into the Mediterranean Sea. But verse 5, it says, Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son. You see, there it is right there. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. So you see, he's saying very clearly, This day have I begotten thee. This day you are my son. You are my son. Ask of me, and I'll give you the heathen for your inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for your possession. I was talking to a sister the other day, evening in a meeting, and uh, she was wearing a little fish and a cross. And this lady walked up to her, and uh, uh, it was on a necklace around her neck, and this lady walked up to her and reached out and said, could I look at that? And she took hold of that cross and that fish. And she jumped back and said to this Christian lady, Oh, I can't stand that. I am a heathen. <laughs> I was amazed that <laughs> she, she called herself a heathen. But you see, people are beginning to take that form of terminology again. Now, the Christian did not call her a heathen. She called herself one. So think about that. Bless the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's, um, let's go a, a little further here in the scriptures. I don't want to drop this subject yet. I feel like the Lord is just really trying to speak into some people. You're struggling. You're, you're, you're beginning to look down. You're beginning to look around you, and it's, it's causing you to, uh, to despair. Don't do that. Don't do that. And in Isaiah chapter 60, uh, the Lord begins to speak. Uh, he begins to speak a promise here that is so important of, of his wording to you and to myself regarding this. And uh, this word here in Isaiah 60 uh, 
he he really makes a wonderful wonderful covenant with his people uh, he says here uh, it, it, the whole chapter is just tremendous it's tremendous and it begins, you know, arise and shine for your light is come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. You see, there's the glory again. For behold, that means look, you'll see it. The darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee and his glory shall be seen upon thee and the Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. So there are going to be kings, expect it. There will be kings that will come to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes around about and see all they that gather themselves together. They come to thee. Thy son shall come from far, and thy daughters shall be nursed by thy side. Begin to claim these scriptures, that your sons and your daughters that have left you and have gone and abandoned you for the world begin to declare this my sons and my daughters shall come and shall stand by my side then shall you see and flow together and your heart shall fear and be enlarged because the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto thee the forces of the Gentiles shall come unto thee the multitude of camels and it talks about all the wonderful things that the Lord will say in verse 9, you people in the islands of Japan and all these different islands down from Hawaii all the way down to the Solomon Islands and all, surely the islands shall wait for me and the ships of Tarshish first to bring thy sons from far, their, their silver and their gold with them unto the name of the Lord thy God and to the Holy One of Israel because he hath glorified thee. And the sons of strangers shall build up thy walls, and their kings shall minister unto thee. For in my wrath I smote thee, but in my favor have I had mercy on thee. Therefore your gates shall be opened continually. They shall not be shut day nor night, that men may bring unto thee the forces of the Gentiles, and that their kings may be brought. For the nation and the kingdom that will not serve thee shall perish. Yea, those nations shall be utterly wasted. See, there's your Zechariah 12, verse 3. But the glory of Lebanon shall come unto thee, the fir tree, the pine, the box together, to, to beautify the place of my sanctuary, and I will make the place of my teeth, my feet glorious. And the sons also of them that afflicted thee shall come bending unto thee, and all they that despise thee shall bow themselves down at the soles of thy feet, and they shall call thee the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. You see why the Lord says, Jerusalem is my chosen. So whereas thou hast been forsaken and hated, so that no man went through thee, I will make thee an eternal excellency, a joy of many generations. Wow, what a covenant God has made with us people. You shall also suck the milk of the Gentiles and shall suck the breasts of kings and thou shalt know that I the Lord am thy Savior and thy Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. For brass I will bring gold and for iron I will bring silver. For wood and brass and for stones, iron. I will also make thy officers peace and thine exactors righteousness or your tax collectors. Violence shall no more be heard in your land, wasting 
nor destruction within thy borders, but thou shalt call thy walls salvation and thy gates praise. Now, did you get that? You shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. Hallelujah. There's so much here. It's so beautiful. Verse 20, Thy sun shall no more go down, neither shall thy moon withdraw itself. For the Lord shall be thine everlasting light, and the days of thy mourning shall be ended. You that have been mourning, there is hope out there. There is hope out there. In, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, it says, Now the just shall live by faith. We're right back to faith again. But look at the second part of that verse. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But I'm so glad that's not the end of that verse. But it says, but we are not of them who draw back, but we are of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Hallelujah. And that's what verse 21 says here in Isaiah 60. Thy people also shall all be righteous shall be all righteous. They shall inherit the land forever, the branch of thy, my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. Do you think God is going to be deprived of this? No way. A little one shall become a thousand, and a small one a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it in his time. Hallelujah. And the very next chapter gives you the definition of where we are. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison of them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And we know in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, Jesus read this, Matthew 16, verse 19 through 22. He stopped right there in both those, those books and stopped and closed the book after he read to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He did not read in the day of the vengeance of our God. Why? People, this is... It was not the day of the vengeance... Whoops, I think I lost you here. Hello, Brother Henry. The vengeance of our God. Oh, boy. Hi, Brother Henry. We're still with you, but uh, something happened to your microphone. <laughs> My headphones. Uh, are you there? Yes, sir. We're okay. Are, are we there, brother? Yes, sir. We're still here. If you're just tuning in, we've got Apostle Henry Groover live with us today. Brother Groover, okay, I'm going to give... We're still on. All righty. Hallelujah. Sorry about that. That's all right. Pick up uh, about 30 seconds back. All right, we lost about 30 seconds back. All right, let's go back about 30 seconds there. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> the phone slipped off. I, I'm on a, on a swivel chair, and I swiveled, and I didn't realize my, my headphone wire had, uh, had shifted on me, and it pulled the phone off and pulled the jack out. <laughs> no, no worries. And, Brother Groover, right, we'll, just we'll so you know. here. Verse 20, the sun shall no more go down, neither shall thy moon withdraw itself, for the Lord shall be thine everlasting light, and the days of thy mourning shall be ended. Hallelujah. All Christians, hold on to the Lord. Don't be discouraged. Please don't be discouraged at this time. 
Keep your joy level up. See, remember that verse 18? There'll be no more destruction within your borders, but you shall call your walls salvation and the gates, your gates will be praised. Keep salvation within your walls and keep praise within your walls. I was talking to a, a person uh, a couple days ago, and that person said, I'm going to get me a watch a watch that a buzzer goes off every 10 minutes, just a vibrator, and it reminds me to praise the Lord and keep praising the Lord and keep praising the Lord. For this person said uh, that she had heard a testimony of a lady that was dying of cancer, and she set her heart to do that, to praise the Lord every 10 minutes, and the cancer went away. You see, the light, the light of the glory of God's presence brought in that healing virtue. Hallelujah. So that's where verse 20 says, Thy sun shall no more go down, neither shall thy moon withdraw itself, for the Lord shall be thine everlasting light, and the days of your mourning shall be ended. Your people also shall be all righteous. They shall inherit the land forever. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. All of that, see, there it goes right back to praising the Lord, that I may be glorified. It's not for us to glory in anything we have accomplished. No, 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 no. Not at all. But it is. It is for us to bring glory and honor to the Lord. A little one shall become a thousand. You may say in your heart, well, I'm so insignificant. I just don't feel like I've accomplished much at all in my life. I don't know if my effectiveness has been very much at all as a Christian. But look what it says. It, when it's talking this kind of language, a little one shall become a thousand. And a small one, a strong nation I, the Lord, will hasten it in his time. Hallelujah. Remember what the scripture is very clear. My son, my daughter, despise not the day of small things. I just want to remind you uh, to remember what I said about when I walked the street of gold for that five and a half hours in heaven. Coming up behind an individual and they were wearing the most beautiful white raiment. Oh, it was beautiful. And uh, that white raiment was alive. It was like it was alive. And as I got closer to that person, as I've said many times, I don't know if I read it or it spoke to me when I looked at the person's right arm kind of coming back as they were walking, just uh, by the shoulder blade, my eyes fell or... My eyes focused on that area just above the, the shoulder blade by the, the right arm. I don't know if I heard it or read it, but I read or heard the testimony of that person in white raiment, how when they walked by a person on the street that was depressed and simply looked into the face of that depressed person as they walked by, not saying a word to them, but simply a kind look, a kind gesture, a smile. I'm sure it was a smile of 
prayer, Lord, help that person. They look depressed. And just encourage them that as that person walked by, the testimony in that, that person wearing the white raiment was, as that person walked by, the very presence of God's glory on that person broke the depression off of that depressed person. And it was recorded in the Christian's white raiment. So see, that's what it's talking about here. A little one shall become a thousand. Little is much when God is in it. Remember that? Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown, and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name. Amen? So don't despise the day of small things. Now, I think in the, the next hour, I'd, I'd like to kind of just begin to add to this in another direction by talking about prayer walking and what we have been doing, some kind of a little update. Uh, but we could maybe take a break here, if you'd like, my brother, for a minute. Uh, brother Shannon, maybe a five-minute break. It's up to you. Praise the Lord. We can take a five-minute break now, and then we're going to come back. We've got uh, our next hour with Henry Groover. He's going to be sharing some testimonies of prayer walking. If you're here for the first time, I want to welcome you to this broadcast. We're doing live shows now every day, Monday through Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern. I also want to make an announcement. We have uh, just launched the United Kingdom European channel. So a few times a week, we're going to be doing broadcast at 8 p.m. London. And if you miss these shows live, I want to encourage people to go into the archives over at SoundCloud and you'll be able to download the programs that you miss live and send them to your friends. We're going to go to a song here and they're going to be right back with Brother Henry Groover. Folks, today is a historical broadcast. What an awesome time in the Lord today with Apostle Henry Groover. Brother Henry, welcome back to the program. The microphone is yours. Well, thank you, brother. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, I appreciate those two songs. Boy, they say a lot, don't they? Yes, sir. Wow. I love those good old songs. You know, we're just not hearing them enough anymore, but uh, they have such commitment and dedication to them, and uh, good good theology, good doctrine. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. You see, in, uh, in our relationship with the Lord, uh, people say to me all the time, well, why walk? What, what is this, you know? Uh, why, why walk? And, well, I'll just, if, if you just take your concordance of your Bible and look up the word walk in the back, I don't think you'll ever question it again. Let me let me just give you just quickly a few examples from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. Just a few, real quick. Genesis 17:1. Walk before me and be perfect. Deuteronomy 5:33. Walk in the ways of the Lord. Chapter 13 of Deuteronomy verse 4. Walk after the Lord. Psalms 84, verse 11. Now remember, that's going clear on forward. Uh, Enoch walked with God, and he was not for God took him, you know, and all that about Enoch. Abraham walked with God, and he made a covenant with Abraham, didn't he, there in Genesis. 
He made a covenant that every place that the soles of your feet tread upon, I will give it to you. And that is the truest territory in the eyes of Almighty God to this very day, to the very day that we're living in. Moses led the people to that promised land, and he got to look into it. At that time, he didn't get to lead his people into it. But later on, obviously, he got into it on the Mount of Transfiguration. He set foot on the promised land. And when he set foot on the promised land the second time, what, what did he look like? He shined so brightly. Talk about the glory of God. We ended this last session challenging, you know, uh, encouraging you to recognize the glory of God is going to shine upon you. And the way the glory of God shines on you is to allow the Spirit of God to dwell in you, is allow the Spirit of God to guide you and to lead you and to be your guide. At the age of 18, the Lord said to me the first time, the second Saturday of 1961, He said to me, Start walking, and I will give you peace, and I will give you the song. That's the first time in my life that I remember God actually telling me to walk. Well, since January the second week, second Saturday night of 1961, I've kept walking ever since. And these scriptures, these simplest scriptures that I just read to you a little bit here, have become more precious and more dear to me all the time. He says in, uh, in Psalm 40, 84, verse 11, I will, I will withhold no good thing to them that walk uprightly. Isaiah 2, verse 3, walk in his paths. Do you know the path of the Lord? How do you know if you're in the path of the Lord? Walk in his spirit, because the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth and who is the way the life and the truth Jesus amen and so the Holy Spirit will not speak of himself but he will guide you into all truth and all truth is my Lord and my Savior keep that in mind before you always for whatever spirit is speaking to you you will know if it is Jesus just like that song that we just heard him singing. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. In other words, that song is saying, I must communicate with Jesus. I cannot do this alone. I cannot walk this alone. I must tell Jesus. And that's exactly what the Spirit and the Bride is saying. Come. Come unto the Father through Jesus. Isaiah 30, verse 1, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Isaiah 40, verse 31, you all know that one. They that shall walk before me shall not faint, they shall mount up with wings as eagles, they shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. Hallelujah. Micah 6, verse 8, walk humbly with your God. This is so important, as 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 says, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, and then he will exalt you in due season. The way to be exalted, or for the glory of God to shine upon you, is by humbling yourself under his mighty hand. That is so important. 
so important. Walk humbly with your God. And then that verse 6 after 1 Peter uh, uh, says, casting, casting all, how much is all, all your cares upon him, knowing that he careth for you. Hallelujah. That's how you really know that he cares for you, is by casting all your cares upon him. That's the scripture for that song you just listened to. I must tell Jesus I cannot bear this burden alone. Every burden, every care, cast it upon Jesus quickly. Hallelujah. Zechariah 10, verse 12, walk up and down in his name, up and down. Isaiah 62, 10 through 12, all those verses talks about going through the gates, taking the gates for the Lord. Psalms 24, verse Verses 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and all that dwell therein. Verse 7 through 9, open up you gates. I use that all the time when I prayer walk. Gates of airports, gates of superhighways, gates into the city, gates into corporate offices, business offices, government offices. You hear what I'm saying? These are all gates, and it's very important to declare the word of the Lord through these gates. I just uh, was walking up in the state of Washington, uh, up, up among the, uh, the nation, the Twilip, T-U-L-A-L-I-P, Twilip Indian Reservation, right along the coast there of Washington. And uh, there have been many ancient prophecies that have spoken regarding that coastal bay there of Twilip I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, Indians. But we walked with one of the head men of that tribe and uh, prayed the area and cried out to the Lord because there is such sin there and such incest and witchcraft going on and shaman healers and all. And people come from Seattle even and areas around, all around to do out on that one tip uh, to perform different festivals and different times of the solstices. And uh, we're, we're scheduled to go back. We want to go back and do more serious praying there. Uh, we prayed and, and worked among the Flathead Indians uh, of, uh, of this year so far, among the Crow Indians. Uh, let me give you a little testimony of my uh, <laughs> being asked to go to with Chief Red Bear. Chief Red Bear is the great-grandson of Sitting Bull. And as he said in his humor to me, he said, if you don't think God uh, has a, a sense of humor, he said, look at the wife that God gave me. My wife is the great-granddaughter of Crazy Horse, Chief wow. Crazy Horse, <laughs> and Sitting Bull and Crazy Horse, where those two tribes were fighting one another continually right up until the Battle of the Little Bighorn or Custer's Last Stand, where General Custer and all of his soldiers were wiped out by the joining together of all these tribes. But... Uh, we had a phenomena occur that is so humorous. In a sense, it wasn't humorous at the time, I assure you. It was very serious. I was up front speaking 
uh, Chief Red Bear told me there were chiefs from ten tribes in that council and in that camp meeting that, that three-day, four-day weekend. And uh, so I was up front on a little platform they had prepared for me to speak from, and uh, we were in the biggest hall in, uh, in uh, Eagle Butte, which is the top of South Dakota, right? You just go a little ways and you'll be into North Dakota, about central South Dakota, central upper South Dakota. And I was preaching away about prayer walking and, and the, the goodness of God and the love of God and about remitting sins whenever you see sin. Immediately, don't retain it, John 20, verse 23. Immediately, ask the Lord to remit it. Say, I remit that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that means to release, relax, absolve, discontinue, leave off, mitigate, alleviate, soften, relent, consign, and deliver. That's 11 meanings of the, of the Funk and Wagnalls Dictionary, 1930. I always refer to that one because it has a complete English lesson in it. But I love that, that, that definition of the word remit. In the Greek, it's, it's very similar. If you look it up in Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, you'll see many of those same words of that scripture, John 20, verse 23. And Jesus says it this way, Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. Whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. So you see, you and I have tremendous ability to remit sins, tremendous ability to release, relax, absolve, discontinue. I asked the Lord, Father, over in Shrewsbury, England, in 19 May of 1986, I said, Father in heaven, what is your definition of what happens to the sinner when I remit their sins, and I love this. This will help you to understand, because many people, if you've heard me for the first time today, you say, well, now, wait a minute, that's not right. Uh, you are saying when you remit a person's sins, they're saved. No, I'm not. Please understand that. I've been accused of that many times, of trying to think that I'm saving people by remitting their sins. But listen to how the power of remission works. When the Lord, the Father said to me there in Shrewsbury, England, in May of 1986, when I looked up into heaven, standing right beside the blitzed-out area of Shrewsbury Castle from Hitler's rockets, missiles, here's what he said to me, Henry, when you remit a person's sins, I, the Lord God, lift the heavy load of condemnation off of the sinner, giving them a space of time to repent. For he said to me, have you ever heard a person in their testimony make this statement? I don't know what happened to me. It's like all of a sudden I came to a place where I knew that I needed to change my ways. I needed to come to a place of change in my spirit. I knew I was on the wrong path. The Father said to me in heaven, he said, someone had remitted that 
person's sins. Therefore, I lifted the heavy load of condemnation off of that person, giving them a space of time to repent. He said to me, then, when you remit a person's sins, when you do that, ask me to do the Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Remitting the sins, all right? Romans 2, verse 4, ask me to pour my goodness upon the sinner, for it is my goodness that leads the sinner to repentance. That is a powerful, powerful procedure to do. So I had learned that very well by the time I was up there in Eagle Butte, up in the north part of Idaho, right near the North Dakota border, doing that preaching in that tribal camp meeting. And as I'm preaching on that little stage, all of a sudden, the doors come flying open in the very back, center aisle, in comes two Native American braves, Native Americans, First Nation of people, all dressed in war paint, their hair long down, clear down to their waist, carrying tomahawks. And they were dancing, coming up the aisle. And at first I thought it was some kind of a little skit or something uh, that they had arranged for. But when I looked at Chief Red Bear, I looked over at him on my left of the center aisle, he looked back, and I saw alarm come over his face, and he looked across the aisle at two of his Native American braves sitting on the other side of the aisle, and I saw him nod and point his thumb back like, like he was saying, intercept them. And instead, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, get off the stage and go meet them. Go intercept them and remit their sins. And as you're going toward them, remit their sins and ask me to pour my goodness on them. So while I jumped off the stage, passing the two young braves that, that Chief Red Bear had appointed to intercept them, I went there first ahead of them. They were behind me. And I'm heading down the aisle, remitting those two young men's sins as they're dancing with their tomahawks down the aisle and asking the Lord to pour his goodness upon them, as I approach them, come right up to them, I put my hand out to shake their hand and said, Brothers, we have been waiting for you. We have saved two chairs for you right up front here. Come on and sit down. You're welcome. And when I said that, the Spirit of the Lord took over those two young men dressed in war paint. <laughs> and they... They dropped their tomahawks and turned and came up front with me and the two young braves of Chief Red Bears and sat down in the only two chairs that were vacant in the very front. And when I gave the altar call after I finished ministering, they were the first ones forward, kneeling down, weeping, giving their hearts to the Lord. The goodness of God <laughs> came down upon them. And uh, after the meeting that night, Chief Red Bear came to me, and he said, uh, did you know that they did not come for peace? 
they were intoxicated. I talked to them, and I said, yeah, I know, I know. The Lord told me to do it. He said, you could not have ministered by example and any more powerful example than you ministered to all our people tonight. I believe God set that up so that they could see remitting sins in action. And I said, you know, Chief Red Bear, I always ask the Lord to feel free to set me up at any time when I'm speaking to get a point across to the people. He said, well, you sure did. Well, the next morning, I was busy praying for people, and the two young men left from kneeling up front. The next morning, I was talking to another chief by the front door earlier before the service started. And uh, in walked these two young men, haircuts and everything, dressed very nice. And they come right up to me, and the one said to me, Do you remember us? And I said, Well, I think you were the two that had war paint on last night. And he looked at the other one, and they nodded and said, Yes, we were. We were drunk. We did not like this white man coming among all of our nations being gathered preaching to us, and we were going to scalp you. We wanted to take you out. Wow. <laughs> I said, well, the Holy Spirit certainly took hold of you, didn't he? And they said, yes. What happened to us? It's like all of the fire went out of us, the liquor went out of us, and we had such peace, we just followed you up front like little sheep. And I said, exactly because I had asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins. I did not retain your sin. I remitted your sin. And Jesus came into your heart right there and took out, took away from you the condemnation. For you see, living under condemnation from all the many treaties, yes, there were many treaties that have been made by our United States. And... Uh, Many treaties were signed, but they were broken. And you know, you know, brother and sister, I tell you something. I, uh, from my first, that first night, the first souls that were saved when I was 18 years old on the, the Skid Row streets, the area of nightclubs and bars and prostitution hotels, right downtown Phoenix. Now that's a a big conference center and uh, Sky West uh, Sports Arena is there. All of Skid Row is gone, and it's a big convention center and a sports arena now. Talk about a transformation of a city. You have the power invested in you to go out and to walk and to pray and to see these kind of transformations occur. It's in you. Begin to do it. It says, walk up and down there in Zechariah 10, 12, in his name. And then uh, Psalms uh, 10, I think it's uh, uh, 102, verse 7, and Micah 5 and 8 through 15, and, and chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Those are powerful, powerful verses about walking and praying and so I, I ask you, uh, how long do we go and walk? 
Well, if you read Isaiah 6, verses 9 through 11, you'll find that. And in the New Testament, Romans 4, verse 12, it says, walk in the steps of that faith. Walk in the steps of that faith. Romans 6, verse 4, walk in newness of life. Romans 8, verse 1, for we walk not after the lusts of the flesh. 2 Corinthians 5, verse uh, 7, walk by faith and not by sight. You see, I had to walk by faith off of that platform and definitely not by sight and go up and approach those young men. But you see, by the time that event occurred, God had given to me such a love for the Native American people in America and all up into Canada, Canada, clear up into the Northwest Territories, across into Alaska, and the Eskimos clear to the northernmost Eskimo village in the North American continent, across the Bering Sea and into Siberia to the native people there of that part of the easternmost part of Russia in Siberia, clear along the Arctic Ocean. I have seen the hand of God just do some awesome things, wonderful things there. So he says, uh, uh, we walk by faith and not by sight. Verse uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3, I think it's 3 or verse 13, I think it's 3, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Oh, remember that. See, as I approached those young men with their tomahawks, I was not warring after the flesh. I assure you, I would have lost my life. I would have got scalped right there if I'd have been walking in the flesh. Then in Galatians 5, verse 16, if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So you see, walking in the Spirit will also help you to become a recipient of the glory of God because your heart becomes pure before the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. In Ephesians 5, verse 2, it says, walk in love as Christ loved us. Colossians 4, verse 5, walk in wisdom, redeeming the time. All of this is just about walking. Revelation 3, verse 4, they that overcome, they shall walk with me in white raiment. Hallelujah. So when you go out to prayer walk, it's so important, and every one of you can do it, even if you're in a wheelchair or an electric uh powered chair. You can go. Listen, you can go. Your hands are touching that wheel of that that chair. Your hands are there and that wheel, those wheels are touching the ground and you have Abraham's covenant with you. Go out there and wheelchair. Go out there with crutches and walk and put one foot down in front of the other. Claim Abraham's blessing that he says, every place that the soles of your feet will tread upon, I will give it to you. I will give it to you. So before you go out walking and praying, ask the Lord to forgive you of any sin, known or unknown, in your life. 
Why? John chapter 9, verse 31, very clearly says, God does not hear sinners. He says, he will not hear your prayer if you hold, willfully hold sin in your heart. So repent and worship, and God will hear you. So another principle that is so very important is when you're walking and praying, Praise the Lord. Look for things that are good, things that are just, things that are honest, virtuous, lovely. If there be any virtue, any praise, think on these things. Think on these things. Amen? And the God of all peace and comfort will guard your heart and keep your mind through Christ Jesus. So if you're having trouble with your mind, you've got to bring that rebel that, that carnal mind, according to Romans chapter 8, 7 through 9, you've got to bring that carnal mind under submission to the Lord. For the scripture is very clear that carnal mind is enmity with God. And in the Greek, that means, a word means it has declared war on God. And the scripture says, indeed, it cannot please God. So as you walk and pray, take every thought to the obedience of Christ. I remember that first week, uh, few weeks of my walking and praying in Phoenix, Arizona. As I began to really walk and pray, the Lord was going to teach me a whole new principle. All of a sudden, such horrible, filthy thoughts just pounded on my mind. And I came under condemnation. And I I was repenting and repenting for those thoughts and saying, Lord, I don't like that. I don't want to think that way. I'm not here on these streets to be thinking those kind of things about people and all. And the Lord said to me, Henry, don't take it personally. That's one of the most powerful teachings I've had in these 53 years of ministry is don't take it personally. You can go on the website, joyfulsoundministries.com or henrygroover.com. And you can, uh, you can see uh, a teaching there available called Don't Take It Personally. And don't worry about what offering you send or whatever. You can send an offering through PayPal or something if you want. Uh, whatever you send is, is all right. We don't put a price on any of our materials. Just understand that. But that teaching, Don't Take It Personally, is so important. There's also teachings on remitting sins and redeeming the land and all. But don't take it personally is such an important, very, very important lesson to understand. What it means is take every thought immediately to the Father. If it's sin, look up and say, Father, that's sin. I remit that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, don't retain it. And so the Father said to me that night, when all of these sins just swarmed in on my mind and tormented my mind, the Father said to me, don't take it personally. I said, what do you mean don't take it personally? My mind is just saturated with it. I'm struggling with it right now. It's horrible thoughts. I don't like those thoughts. And the Lord Jesus said to me, through the Holy Spirit, he said, the territory you have just stepped into, the prince, the strong man of that territory, you have just walked into his, his territory. 
and therefore you are picking up, your spiritual senses are discerning the strong man there. Please understand that. You're picking up on the strong man there. Understand that. And so praise the Lord. He said, take it to me immediately. Call it sin. What is sin? Call it sin. And as you walk, remit that sin as many generations back as needs be. That's Romans 3, verse 25 and 26. Remitting the sins that are past. Verse 26, he says, And again I say, at this time, to declare the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Hallelujah. So you see, you even have power to ask God to cleanse the land as many generations back as needs be. You know, God gave me such a love for the Native Americans from the first week that I walked, and the second week I led a native, three Native Americans to the Lord. I brought a man to the Lord. I took him back out to the Pima Native American Reservation, and he wanted to, me to meet his mother and his sister. And he was in testifying to them, and they came out that night and said, we want to know Jesus as he has come to know Jesus. And those two accepted the Lord. And I praise God for that. Well, he gave me such a love from those early days, such a love for the Native Americans. And I didn't understand it fully. But God had had me remitting the sins and renouncing the sins in my own life and in the generations before me. And I knew in my generations, uh, General Ulysses Grant, who became President Grant, uh, was in my generation on my mother's side. And so I didn't realize it until the Lord had had me 14 years later go back and walk and pray again the Battle of the Little Bighorn and those grounds. Fourteen years before when I was there, there was no museum. There were just the markers and some, some explanations and all of the battle. And there were markers where each soldier fell and each Native American. And I had walked that and prayed over that area thoroughly. Well, I couldn't understand why the Lord was wanting me to go back there. I wrestled with him because I had to be up in Bozeman, Montana that night, and that's a pretty good drive from the turnoff coming from Sheridan, Wyoming, up to the battle turnoff of the Little Bighorn, or Custer's Last Stand. And I wrestled with the Lord, and finally I said, Lord, if you'll give me enough peace, I'll know that I can do this and still get to my meeting in time in Bozeman, and the peace of God just flooded my heart and my mind. Hallelujah. And uh, so I drove up there, and there had been built a new museum since then, and I went into the museum, and on the third display around these big, giant, fold-out displays of pictures and words was President Ulysses Grant sitting at his desk, signing the executive order of the Trail of Tears. 
the executive order that required the Native Americans to be put in reservations. And I fell on my face right there, down on my knees and down on my face, sobbing and sobbing in front of that display. For I did not know why we, we, my, my, my great-great-grandfather had done that. I didn't know he was an instrument of that, and it deeply distressed me. And I repented and repented for that. And I began to then realize the heartaches and the sorrows that my generation of my family on my mother's side had gone through in the war and, and the marriages broken up and the battles that went on. And so then by understanding that, I also learned another facet of being able to remit the sins of my forefathers, which you can do, the sins that are past, asking the Father to forgive these sins all the way back as many generations as you know and as many generations as you don't know to the very first thought, word, deed, or gesture. And in doing this, you are thereby breaking that iniquitous yoke by the power of the Holy Spirit and the, and the revealing of the truth. You are releasing the power of the Holy Spirit to do the work in your generations. Are you praying for the dead? Are you baptizing for the dead? No, 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 no. That is not what I'm saying. Sin remains. The power of sin remains until it is atoned for, at one for, atoned for. You know what atoned means, to be made one. The blood, the body, the mind, and the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ is the greatest power to atone for sin, to make you reconciled back to God in your generation. It doesn't mean you're saving those that have passed away before you, but you are breaking the power of iniquity, the yoke that is over you and will be over your children and their children until you renounce that and break it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So there is something that is very important, very important. So now some more principles about prayer walking. I finished with John 9, verse 31, where God does not hear you if you hold sin in your heart. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, Husbands, love your wives. Why? So that your prayers are not hindered. You see, if you are in a dispute before you go prayer walking, then your prayers are hindered. Why go prayer walking if your prayers are hindered? You see what I'm saying? Now you say, but what if my mate, my husband or my wife is not a Christian and and there's, there's aught between us, there's difference and division between us. Ask the Lord to forgive it. And if it's in the power of your hand to ask your mate to forgive, even though you may feel that you're not the guilty party, it's astounding what happens when you ask a mate to forgive you, when you have been in a dispute. 
it's beautiful to see many times, many, many times, it changes the heart of your mate by you asking for forgiveness first. And as a Christian, that is your responsibility. But do not go out prayer walking if you have odd, odd against your mate, if you've been in an argument, a conflict, and disagreement. The scripture is clear in many other ways. Do not let the sun go down upon your wrath. Your, your wrath. Okay? Hallelujah. And of course, now we know the next thing uh, is after you've done asking the Lord to forgive you and asking the Lord to cover you with his blood and all forms and realms of communication to, from, around, and concerning you. That's very important. And I want to throw in right here, lest I forget and time get away from us. Always, always, when you go out prayer walking, prayer driving, doing warfare in your closet alone, or whatever, when you do warfare against the enemy, before you leave that room or leave walking or leave driving or riding your bike or whatever, before you quit, you ask the Lord to be your protection and your shield around about you to protect you against any counterattack of the enemy. For in every victory... There is always a counterattack. You must expect it because the enemy does not lay down and give up easily. So you see what I'm saying. You understand what I'm saying there. It's very important that you declare the blood of Jesus over everything that you have petitioned the Lord and you commit that all into his care and into his capable hands when you finish prayer walking. Give it all over to him. Don't carry it with you. Don't take it with you. Give it unto the Lord. Present it to the Lord. And then he will bless you in it. And uh, you are free then to enter into another realm of whatever you're going to do. But you've got to remember in natural warfare, remember 1 Corinthians verse, chapter 15, verse 46, that which was first was not spiritual, but that which is natural. And so the natural things of warfare, you must learn the procedure of natural warfare, and you can apply it spiritually. In natural warfare, when you're called off the front lines from war warring and doing battle, you are called back for a time of R&R, &R, rest and relaxation. How are you going to get that when you're at war? Because you are called into a safe zone. You're called into an area where people are going to be a guard for you. They're standing guard so you can relax. I love the billboard sign across America that was here a few years ago. You can sleep comfortably or secure tonight. Your guard is awake. And it was an advertisement for the National Guard. I love that. You can relax because your nation is awake and they're protecting in the same way. Okay? So I wanted to put that in there lest we forget. And then, of course, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Ten wonderful verses. 
Ten, remember, is like the number of divine governments, the Ten Commandments. There are many tens in the Bible. Tenth day, tenth month, tenth year. All right, there are many tens in the Bible. I, I like that. I like to call that divine government. But put on in those ten verses of chapter 6 of Ephesians, put on the whole armor of God that you, <clears throat> you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, against spiritual wickedness in high places, principalities and powers. It's all listed there. It's all listed there. And keep in mind, when you walk, you must walk in the love of God. You must be anointed and saturated with the love of God. Otherwise, your walk is ineffectual. The motive for prayer walking is for the lost. Amen? The motive must be your, your, your number one reason for going prayer walking is to reach out for the lost and bring them to Jesus at any cost. Amen? In chapter 8, again, of Romans chapter 8, I'm in chapter 8, verse 35, it asks a question. Who, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. No, but in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So he says, I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our warfare. Hallelujah. Isaiah 54, verse 17 says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Hallelujah. So the Lord is, is very clear and very strict concerning all of this to protect us, and to use us. Now you say, you may say, well, I know, Henry, but I am not called to the ministry. I, I, don't, uh, I don't think I, I, I'm a minister. I don't think I have any, anything uh, in that sense uh, that I am a minister. I want to ask you a question. I want you to think about this with me for a minute. Don't, don't, don't jump away from, from walking and praying too quickly. Uh, don't, uh, don't put yourself in that place too quickly. Uh, think about it. Think about it in this sense. Uh, I'd like to ask you a question. Uh, how, how many of you have you received mercy from God? Have you received mercy? Hmm? If you have received mercy, then you are a minister of the Lord. Have you ever thought about that that way? Huh? 
it's very important that you remember that you remember how God has been so merciful to you. And here in Corinthians, he says, Therefore, seeing we have, we have received mercy. Seeing we have received mercy. We are now the able ministers of Christ Jesus. Because you have received mercy. Seeing you have received mercy. You are now the ministers of Christ. Hallelujah. I was just looking for that. Forgive me, I have not found it. But it's in the early part of the chapters here of either 1st or 2nd Corinthians. I thought I could turn right to it. But uh, I I can see right now I'm not seeing it. Um, But it says it's, it's very clear, very beautiful to recognize If you have received mercy, then you are a minister. What do you mean? If you've received mercy from God, then you have a testimony. Hallelujah. You have a a testimony. Oh, here we go. Here it is. I knew I could find it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry... As we have received mercy. You see, you have this ministry. As we have received mercy, we faint not. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of of God. Hallelujah. But if our gospel be hid, it's hidden to them that are lost. So keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Now you say, well, what kind of ministry do I have? And I want to just finish with this in these next few minutes. I just want you to remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Verse 13, for whether we be beside ourselves, it's to God, or whether we be sober, it's for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. That's Colossians 3.3, for you are dead and your life is hid with God in Christ. So you see, you don't have a life to save. You've already given it away. Romans 12, verse 1 you presented your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. And verse 15 here of 2 Corinthians 5, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. From now on, don't live unto yourself, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Therefore, from henceforth, or from now on, though we know man after the flesh, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet from now on we don't know him anymore. Therefore, if any man be in or woman be in Christ, you are a new creature, a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us, Were you reconciled to God by Christ Jesus? Then you have been given there in verse 18. 
of 2 Corinthians 5, you have been given the ministry of reconciliation in order that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. He hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So you can be reconciled to God, and God can use you to reconcile others to God, whatever need they have. Bring it to the Lord right away. And if you will do that, then you have qualified for verse 20. Now then, we are, present tense, ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So therefore you are the ambassador of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. Hallelujah. Well, bless your hearts. I, I really appreciate uh, being able to be here on this program with you today. And I just want to thank you, my dear brother, for the, for the way in which that you have honored me and uh, have allowed me to be on with you, Brother Davis. I, I appreciate it very much. And uh, Thank you very much. You know, Davis is a good Welsh name, brother. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to explore some of my family roots, and um, my grandfather, before he died, told me uh, we have family that came from Wales and also have a little bit of Indian. Um, mm. Did I hear you correct I to say? of them today. <laughs> yes, you did. Did you? Hallelujah. <laughs> did I hear you correctly, Brother Groover, that your great-grandfather was Ulysses S. Grant? That's right, General Man. Grant, President Grant, on my mother's side. That is amazing. And you know, I have another one that's really amazing. My mother was always such a good, uh, a good speller. On my mother's side is Daniel Webster. <laughs> really? <laughs> so I should be the best speller, and I, I should be. Uh, well, you know, God has really blessed me. He's He's let me go to China as the ambassador of the United States for five days. I represented the United States, and he's put me as a literal ambassador there, and I learned what it's like to be an ambassador and speak and lead, uh, be with the leaders of China, and actually led one of them to Jesus on the Great Wall of China, just sobbing his heart out. And uh, we are seeing such a transformation now in China. I don't know if you've heard the news, but tremendous things are taking place. They are now allowing congregations together up to a hundred together in China, and they are allowing them to have Bibles and all. There are some provinces that still there's persecution going on. We need to keep our prayers up for China, but I tell you the people of China are really doing If people of China are listening, they have now translated my book uh, into Mandarin Chinese, my prayer walking book. So it now is in Mandarin Chinese, and it's in, in, in Latin. It's in, uh, it's in uh, oh, mercy, uh, I can't think of all of it. It's in Russian, up in the Ukraine. They have done it. I don't know what's happening. I can't get a hold of them up there right now with all this thing going on. But it's also in uh, Portuguese. And so we're seeing a lot of wonderful things happen. I know the time's about gone. I've got to be quiet here, Brother Shannon. Thank oh, you. Brother, brother Groover, I'll tell you, I could listen to you every day. 
I believe this is the <laughs> most important broadcast we've done this year. Before we close, though, uh, I want to ask you, uh, what is coming up in your itinerary for trips? Okay, I, I covet your prayers. I will be leaving the uh, 12th of uh, August. I will be in uh, a conference in Korea, South Korea. I'm still believing God to get me into North Korea. Pray for me that I'll get in with the leader of North Korea. I want to get in with him. I will then go from Korea to Taiwan and be in Taiwan for five days uh, in a conference with the, the new book that they've translated of the prayer walking book into Mandarin. Then I will fly from there to uh, Singapore and will be with them in conference uh, on the 1st of September to Singapore. And uh, I will then be uh, up to the 7th, I think they're 8th, I will be in Singapore in that area, walking, praying, teaching. And uh, then I will uh, do some work over in, pray, please pray for me, over in Malaysia. Uh, the Islamic power is getting very strong there, and they're beheading missionaries. And so uh, I'm praying that God will use me to go in and break that curse and covenant with death off of the people of Malaysia so they will not be doing this this sacrificing of cutting the heads off of our people. So I have a pretty heavy-duty itinerary. I'll be back home sometime around the 20th of September until about the 10th of October, and then I go back to Japan until uh, about the end of November. And then in December, I'll be with my family for the first time this year. Uh, to spend at least three weeks with my family. That Amazing. That the most I spend all year long with my family. Brother Groover, we certainly are going to lift you up in prayer. And uh, as we're getting ready to close tonight, I want you to tell people how they can contact you and support your ministry, please. Uh, just go on any website of JoyfulSoundMinistries.com, JoyfulSoundMinistries.com, or Henry Groover. You can just punch in henrygroover.com, and I come up. Or our phone number in our office is 712-647-3104, 712-647-3104. They can also get publications on the website. They can order them through PayPal, make a donation. There's no price on any of the materials. Just whatever you donate toward those materials goes on to PayPal. You can use your credit card that way or whatever and uh, make a payment to them, and then our office will send the materials out to you. Brother Groover, this has been an exciting broadcast. Uh, I'm real honored to have been able to bring you on today. And uh, will you also extend an invitation to your son? If he has time available, we would love to have him come on and preach. <laughs> that rascal. He hasn't done it yet, huh? He's been I busy. I told him, I've got to get on him again. He is so busy, <laughs> and he has a lot of wonderful testimonies about his work in Africa with Mozambique and Swaziland. And, uh, so, yes, I'll get after him again. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Brother Groover, would you like to close in prayer today? Yes. Father in heaven, I just thank you for this, this golden opportunity, Lord, to speak into the hearts of people, my brothers, my sisters, perhaps even individual that doesn't know you as their Savior yet. Oh, Father, I pray that from what they've heard today that it has brought about a desire, a cry for salvation. 
And I say to you, if that cry is in your heart, I've remitted your sins in the name of Jesus, and I've asked the Lord to pour his love and his goodness upon you. Now in the presence of that goodness, that sensing of of the heavy condemnation lifted off of you, just ask Jesus to come into your heart. Ask him to forgive you of all your sins. Just say, I know I've sinned. I know I sinned. Forgive me. I don't want to sin. I need a Savior. Jesus, I believe you're the Savior and that your blood will wash away my sin. Come into my heart. Be my God. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Be the lover of my life that will never leave me or forsake me. And you will receive the Lord and then seek out someone soon, as quick as you can, to let them know what you have done. Then Jesus will begin to pray for you through the Father if you confess him for, before others. And then seek out a place of someone to baptize you in water. And then your heart and your life will be changed and old things will pass away and all things will become new. Help them to follow through in this, Father. Bless this program. And bless our time now, Lord, and everything that has been said. And let it come into the hearts and minds and ears of individuals that are waiting for this understanding. And we'll praise you for it. We'll thank you for it. We'll delight ourselves in you for it. And we thank you for it all, Father, because you made it possible because of your love. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name we thank you. Amen. 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 Let me pray for you quickly, brother. Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for this day, for the word that was brought forth in this program. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ over brother Henry Groover and his family. We ask God that you would loose favor for him to get into previously closed doors. God, open up these doors in the name of Jesus Christ, that he'll be able to go in and accomplish the mission that you would have him to complete, to prayer walk, Lord, remit sins, break curses in Jesus' name, and set the captives free. We ask God that you would bless his health, bless his family and their health, put a hedge of protection, a wall of fire around him from Zechariah 2 and 5, along with your warrior angels to encircle him and his family for their protection. Bless them, Lord, bless their finances, open up every door that they need in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, thank you. Brother Groover, we love and appreciate you. You have a great day over there. Thank you for coming on, and I'll be sending you a copy of today's show. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it very much. And we'll talk to you again down the road, maybe after I come back from overseas. Thank you, sir. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you now. Bye-bye. Praise the Lord, folks. What an awesome broadcast. I tell you, that broadcast made me cry. I mean, I was so uh, filled with joy to have Brother Henry on today and hear that testimony and the teaching. Powerful.